Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, welcome to the NFL offseason, officially, mm. I guess, as well. Finally! Uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Nick, how, are we, feeling about, uh, how are we feeling about that? Uh, yeah, pretty cool, I guess. Um, a lot of people are feeling <laughs> a lot of ways about it, but I mean, uh, good for Stafford, of course. Um, I think that when... I was thinking about it yesterday when um, they made the trade last winter. Um, I think our first reactions were, well, Stafford's going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, that was the first thing I think we both kind of thought when they made that yeah, trade. Right. And, um, yeah, to see it all the way, you know, kind of come through. I, it was a weird game, I guess. But, uh, yeah, good for Stafford. Uh, the Lions obviously get the worst possible pick in this whole situation. Of but course. It also, I guess, kicked off quite a discussion about Matthew Stafford and all things considered. But uh, how are you feeling about all this uh, after watching uh, this surreal year, I guess? And now it's yeah, more normal, I, mean, I suppose, than anything. Right. I mean, I guess the same. Uh, he's. I'm happy for him. He's. Mm-hmm. He legitimately, I think, is a, like a good person. Oh, yeah. Of course. Good family man. Like, he always treated the press really well. Yep. He did a couple things with us. Uh, yep. Just you a know, good like guy. He was always. Yeah. He's just a good guy. So you're. You like to see that rewarded, and certainly he he gave this franchise here everything he possibly could have given yeah, it yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for 12 years. So you're happy for him. I will say, just from like a Detroit sports perspective, and people disagreed with me when I wrote this after the game, mm-hmm. it's a little annoying it happened the first year for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like, I guess that's fair. Like, even from like a narrative perspective, because now we got to do the like, well, who else wants to leave Detroit and win a championship? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i glad it's over, frankly. Yeah. Like, we can move on. I agree with that part of it. That's actually a really good point. Like the whole, it really did kind of feel like there was this weird vibe. Because I think most all Lions fans wanted to see him do well. But there was this weird vibe that a lot of people seemed to get over time. They were like, wait, look, we don't like this is weird now. Like this has become this thing where now we had to the NFL had to rescue Stafford from this smoldering pile of crap that is here. And he was this gem that we've ruined. And now that we've he's been allowed to roam free with a coach who creates routes on the fly and everything. And yeah, that got to be a bit much. But like. I agree with you, I guess, at the very beginning that it was like, it was cool to see a guy who, um, you know, genuinely meant a ton to be able to do the things that he wanted to do. And I think that there were a lot of bitterness maybe there too, (laughs) that fans were like, my God, did we have to give him like a golden parachute on his way out here? Like, could we have have made him go somewhere and earn it a little more? Like, my God, I get all that, but like... Whatever. I think that there. I think the more fascinating thing for me is it's all the lessons learned from his time in Detroit because it's such a unique run in a time when somebody brought that up to me again yesterday. Like you know, Stafford was the last quarterback, I think, and you would know better on this. The last one, the number one pick to be before the slotted salary um, yeah, deal. Yep. So like a lot about his career was different and weird, not weird, but just you know things changed a lot after you know he started with Detroit. But also it's like. You know, Stafford is the great example, I think, still of, and we've talked about this, you and I, a ton. You know, the 22-year-old quarterback cannot fix everything for you. It can't, he can't do everything on his own. And, you know, by the time these guys really finally mature into the age that mentally they have it, that they really do have it, and not every quarterback gets there, but, you know, that age is so much higher than 
we're all willing to take the ride on. And I think Stafford's like the greatest example of that, really, in my opinion. But yeah, anyway. Well, the uh, the contract thing's actually pretty interesting mm-hmm. because they had Calvin was a high pick. Yeah, and Sue, too. And Sue was a high pick. And right. then a bunch of like Nick Fairley was kind of a yeah, high right. pick. Like yep. they had some guys. A lot of big money. And a ton of money. Yeah. And 2014 was that was the year they right the the Cowboys yep. game I think yeah. 2014 right yeah, the yep. controversial one the that was reference. a really good football team mm-hmm. uh and Sue left that following March to sign a 115 yep. million dollar contract with Miami and the Lions didn't really have the money to pay him because Stafford was making <laughs> a billion dollars roof and, yeah, right. right Calvin <laughs> was through the roof yeah and so the cap situation was just totally different in that like pre rookie slotting era. And so if you, you know, again, just typical lion's luck, I guess, but like if you're two years later, right. Exactly. Maybe you re-sign Sue and now suddenly it's a different story. You're maybe doing some of this stuff with Stafford. So I think that that is, you know, I I don't know that we can overlook that because that was, and Calvin Johnson said it when he was on the, uh, he was on with Robert Mays, the athletic football show Mm -hmm. last week. He said, like, I thought 2011 we were good. And they were we very had good. Sue yeah. and Fairley and CJ Mosley. Like, we had a really good defensive line and we had a, had everything on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, 11 was the first year they got the playoffs with Stafford. And then 14 was when they should have beaten the Cowboys and then I think would have gone to Green Bay and played Aaron Rodgers yeah. in the next round. And But there's also, so, like, there's also not the 12 and 13 were bad years for no reason. Right. <laughs> right. Fair. That's, right. Right. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's hard, right? Like I was <clears throat> tweeting with um, Scott Docterman about this a little bit earlier. And he, you know, the thing that always remind it gets reminded to me of this, these conversations like this is when we tier quarterbacks and we want to talk about, you know, this guy's good enough to be this, or this guy can win you a Super Bowl in X years. Like, no, like so much of this is so no, no situation is the same, right? We can't compare this guy to that guy or this guy's spot to that guy's spot because all things are different. Like so many things change. So many things are different. I just think there's so much to be said for, you know, the quarterback is so important. And it's such an important piece of the pie. And over the last 10, 15 years, we've all thought about the game in that way. Like you cannot win a Super Bowl unless your quarterback is good. Great. You know, you have to have a great quarterback. You're not going anywhere. But I think that that's we've clouded ourselves in this whole like way of thinking that like he's the only thing that matters. Everything else can be crap. He can save you from all the and that I think I think Stafford is the greatest example of anything else. Like if you put all these other quarterbacks that we were talking about of this ilk in his situation, I think the ending the end result would have been similar. I don't think it would yeah. have been much different. And I think that that's probably the un- end lesson for me in the whole thing is that you know situation is so much more important than we ever give it credit for. We always knew that. But it's just another reminder, I think. Well, right. And that, if 2014, like 26-year-old Stafford with Joe mm-hmm. Lombardi as his offensive coordinator <laughs> right. yeah. is a lot different than 33-year-old exactly. Stafford with exactly. Sean McVay's playbook. And so I think that that, yeah, right. to, to your point, situation uh, makes a big difference. Uh, what did you think? Where's that no-look pass rank for you among <laughs> that was pretty uh, good. Super Bowl all-timers? <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty high on Stafford's personal list, I'd say, just yeah. given like oh, yeah. just given time and situation. But it wasn't surprising because it's like... Well, I, not for us. No, for everyone because else. exactly. Like, oh, where did that They were from? like, what the hell was this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Stafford, it was so funny because, and I tweeted about this yesterday, and we were talking about it, like... 
that's all he did when they were like really bad with Patricia at their worst with Patricia. All he did (laughs) was find ways to throw these ridiculous shots into these horrifically covered windows. He was prying open like coverage windows with his eyes that had no business being pried open because he had guys that couldn't get open and he had like an offense that wasn't working. Everything sucked. So he had to do all this himself. And so I think, all year we saw him do stuff like this, and then to see him do it, yeah, in a Super Bowl, the two minute like that at the end was really cool. That might have been the best one, though. I mean, to to move the guys on the back end and then move them in the front like that. Oh my so god, good. that was crazy. But yeah. you, uh, but to we also like if you talk to like Tracy Walker used to talk about yeah. how we'd do that to him in practice Just all the time. Insane. <laughs> it was yeah. like, like drive him insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how no one else is doing this right. in the like, league, no and we're here it. practicing yeah. about right. it yeah. against it. So. um yeah, I mean, we've seen it certainly before. It, it, I, I mean, I, I think that's the other part of it, I guess, that is like equal parts frustrating and, and kind of cool is that mm-hmm. now you're seeing everyone else finally figure out everything we've been trying to tell people right, the whole exactly. time Stafford's been here. Like, you keep, to, and Stafford got asked about it a couple times when he was here. Like, everyone talks about how Mahomes throws these, uh, no lookers. How do you feel about right, that? And yeah. he'd do his Stafford thing, kind of smile, like, eh, I don't really pay attention to it. But. <laughs> Right. Uh, where do you he think knew, he? Where do you think he learned that? Watch for right. watching me. You know yeah, right. that he was like, "Come on, guys, let's uh, let's watch some Lions games here." Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I said it yesterday. Go back and watch that Chiefs Lions game from 2019. Yeah. When uh, Mahomes was awesome, and Stafford, who was hurt, was also awesome. Stafford was like there for it that day. You could tell because it was like that was right when Mahomes was. I think that was their Super Bowl year, right, where the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and everybody was like. Oh my God, this guy is incredible, and rightly so. And I think Stafford was like, "Okay, everybody, like, let, like, let's just calm down here." And that was one that I always remember and look back on is like, no one watched that for what it was—a great quarterback du- duel. They watched it for Mahomes, but I think when you go back now and you look, like it, Stafford won a Super Bowl, so that reframes him. I think people can go back and look now at some of those things and be like, yeah, I mean, he was really good, and whether you appreciated him in the moment or not is your decision, but you can go back now, I think, and look at it and say, yeah, I mean, like, this guy's a special player. And, you know, I think that um, that's all you really need to say. Special talent, special player, and a a guy who proved time and time again that he was willing to do whatever it took to win a game. And I think that you can't take that away from him. Well, that Chiefs game was the one where he, like, couldn't walk. Yeah, before the game. Couldn't couldn't bend over. Like, there's no way this guy's playing. And then he comes out. He ran for a first down Mm -hmm. on, like, their second possession. Yeah, they dressed three quarterbacks. We thought he wasn't going to play. It didn't make any sense that he was doing some of the things he did that day. And that happened, Mm -hmm. like, all the time with him. All the time. Yep. And I do think, you know, to some of the points that have gotten back, arguing back against just, like, Stafford's, greatness or whatever his role here you know I think there is I think it's kind of easy now to sort of romanticize everything about him mm-hmm. being here uh, and you look oh, yeah, back and you know there there certainly were when he left yeah right yeah I mean there certainly were some games that Matthew, Matthew Stafford could have won you yeah, and he didn't and exactly. made some big mistakes and so I don't think that acknowledging that He's always been a really good quarterback and and played really well this playoffs and probably deserved a championship. I don't think saying any of that takes away from the fact that you know he was right. 
he wasn't independent of the lion struggles, I guess. He was part no, of it. And he, he, was, he caused course. some of them from time to time. <laughs> but I, and I, yeah, I think it, you yeah. see what he was as a quarterback here. This He's a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. And I think that that's like, you know, it goes back to the situation again at the beginning where it's like, you know, these young guys, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they find it and lose it and get it back. I mean, it's like. It's just, you know, the career, the whole journey. I think Stafford's journey in football has been very unique, obviously. And um, I just, I think that the way we look at quarterbacks as a society of football really needs to start evolving. I don't know if it necessarily, I'd say it needs to change, but I think it needs to start evolving away from, and we do this all the time, where we just get into these like, the guy has to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And if he can't do that, he can't play. And it's like, no, he doesn't have to be able to do X, Y, and Z. He just has to be able to function. He just has to be able to like be efficient, make plays. And, you know, at the NFL level, he's got to be able to do some things that are special. And if you can just do those things, I don't care what it looks like. And I think that uh, when, when we look at it like that, usually you end up in a good place. And so many times we end up in these weird, you know, types, right? This guy's got to look like this, or he's got to run like that. And it's Stafford is always a reminder to me of like, no, that's, that's not true. You just have to have like one or two elite things and then everything else has to just be functionality and then you can make it work. And I think that that's kind of how I look at it. Are we doing the Hall of Fame debate? Uh, we can wait a couple years on that one. I mean, people are too... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why yeah. we have to rush into it right this yeah, second. we got plenty of time. It's not retiring, I don't think. Well, I don't know. It sounded like the entire Rams organization was yeah. about to retire well. after the game, which might not be a bad idea, considering they've traded their entire future for the Super Bowl. But either way, we'll see. Lions would hate that. That would help next year's pick, right? If they all retire. Yeah, well, I think that's the other thing. Now, all right. Nice to see Stafford get his win. And now you want yeah. the Rams to go 3-14 and 14 next year. So yeah, right. Lions have Donald retires. Pick. Stafford quits. Uh, McVeigh's on TV. There you go. Everything. Be I was also trying to think. Uh, I, we do want to get into our mock draft here. I was yeah. trying to think of like, just because the stuff about uh, all the Lions fans support of Stafford mm-hmm. was... Like really cool to a point, and then it got a little yeah, like always, weird and cringy at the end. But <laughs> most of it was really cool. Yeah, but I was I trying to think of like guys who had sort of reverse pulled the reverse Stafford and like been legends elsewhere, and then come to Detroit and won championships. And oh, if, uh, and if there'd been like, because I was trying to think like yeah, the names yes. that popped like Rashid Wallace and like uh, all those Dominic Hasek yeah, and the- Robotai, like all those yeah. guys from the. All the Red Wings yeah. guys from that day. And I was trying yeah. to, th- I don't remember like a bunch of like Buffalo Sabres fans <laughs> cheering for Dominic Hasek. No, I remember <laughs> a lot of like, right? that son of a bitch, why is he like, yeah, I didn't <laughs> maybe know Hasek the other was way. A, yeah. Maybe Robitaille is the better example because right. everyone loved Robitaille. But, but I, I had, hey, I, look, at Stafford said it though, didn't he? After the game, he was like, I think he was talking to, um, he was on the set. Oh, on, the NFL Network one, yeah. Yeah, and he said, look, he was talking to one of the quarterbacks. Maybe, I don't remember who it was. He's like, you played in Midwest City. You understand yep. it. You get it. They have no reason to cheer for me. Yet, here we are. They're making Detroit Rams t-shirts, for Christ's <laughs> sake. Like, But they're going to do it because like, it's different. And we talk about that on this show all the time. And that's the reason why you know, I think we have a show, frankly, is that it's very different here. And I think that... Um, to all the people who get mad at Stafford for all the reasons that they get mad at him, I think they should know, and they do know deep down, that Stafford appreciates them too, just like every Detroit athlete does, because this place is very different. And uh, yep. I think that that was another example of that uh, over this week as well. All right. Well, we can move on. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Put that Derek to Goff, still the quarterback yeah. here. Uh, 
<laughs> Back to reality. Yeah, but we're into the offseason. Everyone's zero and zero. We yep, got about a, yep, yep. a month until free agency. Um, a couple months until the draft. And we, we, we'd done one mock before, right? That I think we went yes. through three rounds. And this was our first seven-rounder, which is up now on theathletic.com. Uh, went through the nine... Mm-hmm. projected Nine Lions picks. picks there's three of those that are comp picks that we assume they are getting um in the third fifth and sixth they don't have a fourth rounder so nine picks um they have lost traded away a couple in the trinity mm-hmm. benson uh yes deal. um and moved a fourth <laughs> to move up last year so anyway nine picks starting with two they're two and 32 and 34 and i guess we can just run down sort of yeah what we did here because i know there's at least one spot that I feel like we need to talk about a little more because we both ended up hating the pick. Immediately. But, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> so number two, uh, the, we used the Draft Network uh, mock draft machine. Um, mm-hmm. Guys over there do great work. Yeah, uh, it's and, the best uh, one, I think, for your for Yeah, your, I do too. Yeah. Um, but the Jaguars took an offensive tackle. Yeah, I they think did. Evan Neal it when did. we went through it. So we well, had hey, Hutchinson, that could happen. That could happen. Right, which is possible. Mm-hmm. So we had Hutchinson, Thibodeau. And Kyle Hamilton basically were the three we ended up discussing, and we picked Hutchinson. And I, I guess my question is just how, how close is that conversation for you? I mean, is it clearly Hutchinson? I, if those are the choices. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's as we were talking through it yesterday. Like I, I think I discovered in my own without even really realizing it that as I, as I've looked at this, to me, I think it is Hutchinson pretty firmly right now for me. Um, and I actually, I think Kyle Hamilton might be ahead of. Thibodeau I the more I'm watching this like Thibodeau is really good and interesting for all the reasons that we've thought about this the whole way but like the more I've sort of unpacked it it's like and that's what we wrote in the story like you got to get a guy up there who's going to give you the most bang for your buck like that's what really I think about when I think about Sewell like we have talked about this so much and fans don't see it because they they've been fixed in what he what he is right now but like Sewell in theory could be a four position you know, like 15 year, like we talked about type guy, Aiden Hutchinson, I think could be a multiple position, multiple level, you know, helper, a guy who could be an elite pass rusher, an elite run defender, and a guy who could space cover and all this stuff. Thibodeau, I think is going to be an elite pass rusher. I don't know if he's going to be an elite or even good run defender. And I think he'll be a very good to an elite coverage guy. I think Hutchinson gives you more and I think for the similar things, I think I would make the argument that Hamilton might even give you more. But for all those things, I think Hutchinson right now still is the one. But I, I'm not ready to shut the book on that, I guess. But that's sort of where it's kind of made its way for me. I'm curious for your sort of thoughts on the same thing with that trio. Because I think that's clearly the trio that we're looking at right now. I don't know if there's anybody else in there right now, I guess, that I would say that could change, though, as we go forward. No, I think I agree with you. I mean, I Dane Brugler released his re, his new top 100 rankings and he had Trayvon Walker from Georgia at 6 mm-hmm. which is getting close to that yeah. uh, discussion. Really good player. Um I don't know that he's up there. I think I mentioned in the story like I don't know that I see another edge in that group yet. Eh, like Walker's no. really good. Um yeah. Jermaine Johnson had that great week in Mobile. Yeah. David Ojabo I think is probably going to go top 20 if he tests the way we think he's going to test. Right. Um but yeah, I mean, I think it's those three, and I think you probably hit on the conversation. I think it, whenever we whenever we talk about it, I feel like we're saying, you know, I, I try to guard against making it sound like, well, Thibodeau can't play against the run, exactly. and well, Hutchinson's not going to be as explosive against the pass, because I don't think either of those things are true. I mean, I think we've seen 
what Hutchinson can do. I don't know that he's going to be a the greatest pass rusher in football, but certainly It'll between be his versatility yeah, right. and the speed to power and all those the handwork, like he's a guy who's going to get you a bunch of sacks. Yep. If he's he's going to get the, the job field. done, right? Yep. Uh, and you know he's going to play that physical edge setting game, which I, you know it's hard to ignore. Just sort of what he could do on all three downs. Thibodeau, I do think has. You know, every time this comes up and people ask me, I think it always comes back to like maybe Thibodeau has a higher floor as a pass rusher and probably or a higher ceiling as a pass rusher and probably a lower floor as an all around player. And I think that's kind of, yeah. you know, how do you feel like splitting the difference there? Do you think Hutchinson's going to be as productive as Thibodeau as a pass rusher or do you want that guy who's going to be like maybe he, maybe Thibodeau is that like game wrecking pass rush presence off the edge that you haven't had for a while so i don't know but hamilton hamilton's tough to ignore too and i made sure we brought him up in the mock because that's a position where they don't have a lot and he's sort of perfect for what you need to do against modern offenses and he's got all that range and but he's also coming off injury um i think we have another uh, kyle pitts situation here chris because (laughs) that's a good (laughs) that's what this is he might be the best player in the draft. <laughs> like he, Kyle Hamilton might be the most physically gifted football player in the draft, but he's a safety and he's a back end hybrid. I would say more than a. Sa- I mean, he is a safety. He can play both spots. He can play. You can play single high with him if you want to. Um, you know all those all those sort of stuff. I mean, you can move him around. You can play him in the box. He can line up in the slot and cover somebody. Man, there are so many things you can do with a guy like that. There are so many boxes you could check with a guy like that. And I think Hutchinson is the same type of player in that you can put him in your front seven and it doesn't matter what he is or whatever. It's like in the same way with Hutchinson, you can put or uh, Hamilton, you put him in your back seven and I don't even really care what you label him as. It's just he is an elite weapon in the back of your defense, the same way that Hutchinson, I think, would be an elite all-around weapon in the front of your defense. And my question on Thibodeau is exactly what you said. Is he going to be the guy that I can get it from all three downs? Like, I know I'm going to get it from Hamilton on all three downs. He's going to impact something, right, on all, every down. And I think I'm going to get that from Hutchinson the same way. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know if I'm getting that from Thibodeau. And I think that that's the question I don't know if I have an answer to yet. Um, because like you said, I think he's he can defend the run. But is it going to be as explosive as, we, as we're going to see on third and long from him? Because it, you know, as we know, it's not all. You're not always in third and long. How many third and longs do you get in a game? Five, right? Like, I mean, so to me, with where the Lions are at right now, it's got to be a guy that can give me something on every snap. And I think that Hutchinson and and Hamilton are the two that I usually fixate on when I think about it that way. Because I still, and it's maybe it's I just need to. There's more that needs to be digested on Thibodeau, I guess, but also like there's also some limited there. He had missed some time with injury, all this. So, you know, it's hard, but that's kind of the spot they're in, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think you also look at, I kind of go back to, to, um, Kelvin Shepard, I believe was talking in Mobile, Mm -hmm. uh, to reporters and talked about, someone asked about Julian Okwara and he said, he can be as good an NFL player as he wants to be. Totally true. So they're, they're spending this entire off season, just like staying on him and making sure He's doing everything every single day yep. <laughs> that he can to come back in April or May or August or whatever and and hit the ground running. And so if you if they really think that that mm-hmm. he has that type of ceiling where he can be an eight nine ten sack guy, that maybe 
eliminates a little bit of the need you have for Thibodeau exactly. as well. Like, I mean, you need you probably need two edge guys that can get after the passer. You do at least three or maybe three. I would <laughs> say you four. need you need two or three. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you think Okora Julian Okora is going to be your top edge rushing presence as that hybrid role, that maybe makes you feel like you don't have to go to Thibodeau as much. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, don't I, know I, that, think... I don't know that it's realistic to think of Julian Okora in that way, but they might. They seem exactly. like they might think about him in that. And way. I think that that's. I think that's right to think about because I think that's how you frame it. Thibodeau right now, I think that the best way you can look at him by all all tape that we have is he's a pass rush specialist. And I think that if you look at it and with with potential to be more, Hutchinson, right, in the same vein as a Romeo Okora, is your edge setter, savvy defensive end. Like okay, so for example, not to get too far off the tangent, somebody I think Chris Brown uh, pointed this out on Twitter. Um, Sean McVay's play sheet from the Super Bowl top line that he had at the top of his sheet was. How are the ends lined up technique-wise? Your defensive ends, like the edge setters, the guys that are a piece of everything in football, they're so important. The Bosa's, the guys that are like, they're impacting everything. I don't know if Thibodeau is that guy yet. Julian Okora could be that guy for the Lions, but they're also going to need two of those edge setters, savvy guys, guys that make plays on every down. Romeo Okora is one of those guys when healthy, and I think Aiden Hutchinson can also be one of those guys those two with a Julian Okora would be, if it all clicks, could be phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I think that if you took Hutchinson out and put Kayvon in there instead, it could still be phenomenal. But I think for the same reasons that you probably see, like, you'd probably have more questions, right? So I think that's, maybe you wouldn't, but I think I would. And I think that's where I land on yeah. it. And I think that's kind of where I'm with it right now. Well, that, and then, not to get too deep into the weeds, but I think that this sort of boils back to when they talk about doing their deep dive into the roster mm -hmm. and into what they need like this is exactly sort of what they're talking about like is is levi Onzarike going to be playing five tech for you sometimes right like it, can he do some of that is mcneil going to be moving around how long's brockers going to be here are we trading him at the deadline next right. year like some yeah. of this stuff all plays in because they're trying to think this thing through five you know, years going to be yeah, right. a foundational guy in 2025 mm -hmm. and Maybe it, like I don't know. I, I I don't know what the answer is for sure, but it does feel more like Hutchinson fits what they need at the moment. I guess my last question there before we move on to the second <laughs> first round pick is: Let's just hypothetically say the Giants at five or Carolina at six calls and said, "Take our first round pick," and Carolina doesn't have a high second round. Let's say the Giants call and say, "Take five and thirty six." Are you taking that deal, or is Hutchinson hey, that much better than who's going to be there at five? If Hamilton's going to be there at five, I might not. I might take the deal because I'm not so sure that Hutchinson is that much better than Kyle Hamilton. Like that's the question that I would also right. think is is going to be on the Lions. You know, and I could be a different player. I don't know who was who's in there. Take Devin Lloyd too, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, but like, and that's the thing is, as we talked about that too. Like, and as we go through the draft here, like the thing I would say is I think we found that there are a couple safeties that are pretty darn good if you keep going. you know They're not Hamilton, good, but pretty good. And I'm not sure if there is, there's not another, as you just said, there's not another Hutchinson or Thibodeau level player. And at that level of impact, what you're looking for, maybe that math says we need to take and stick and take Hutchinson. So it all depends on, I think, how you think about 
Hamilton. For me, yeah, I would listen to it because if, if he's going to slide and I can get a guy like that, it's the same thing as Sewell last year. If Sewell was going to fall and, you, and the worst you did at seven was like a possible generational tackle, okay, pretty good. <laughs> I'm taking that every time. Yeah, and if I right. fall the seven and get more on top of it and the worst I do is a generational safety, all right, well, I'm good with that because we still need everything here. And like that's how I would look at it. So I think all things need to be on the table for the Lions. I certainly think that they are. Um, definitely wouldn't rule out a trade here at all. I think you absolutely keep that right there on the table for all things being possible if you're Detroit. And really, Chris, I think that we would agree. Like They're in a great spot right here. This feels like a really good spot. And in the, in the last couple of years that we've been doing this together, this feels like the best spot that they've been in. Obviously, it's the highest pick, but like it does feel like in terms of the rest of the board, what maybe other teams would maybe offer. I don't know. It did, Early on here, anyway, it does feel like they're in a pretty good spot. I think trade's going to be on the table a lot, and we brought it up at 32 because that's you get down into the late 20s, 30s, that's when we see teams make that bump, jump yeah. up because they want the fifth-year option on rookie contracts. Yeah. And a lot of times it's for a quarterback. So if the Lions aren't taking quarterback in round one, that pick to me is one you can consider moving either for a bunch of picks later on, like round two, round three picks, or I think you probably could flip that for, if you're trading it to a, a contending type team, uh, yeah. flip that for a first rounder next year. Now yep. you got three mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2023. So I think that's going to be interesting. We stayed put. This is sort of, <laughs> we kind of ran into our trouble spot here yeah. at 32 and 34, but 32, we took Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State, in part, as mentioned in the post, because the wide receivers we were looking at, which was uh, Jamison Williams. I didn't mention Traylon Burks in the post, but he was certainly one of the names. Burks, Olave, Garrett Wilson, all were gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was safety. um, And then the wide receiver group was like Dotson, Drake London, uh, David David Bell, Bell, um, and I guess anyone else you'd want to elevate. And then some like interior lineman types, maybe a cornerback, and we went back to Brisker. So I felt pretty good with that yeah one. yeah brisker was good i mean because that's the same you know and again i think that that was where i felt better about you know the conversation about passing on hamilton because it's like well i think you can get you can still get good safeties in this draft and i he could be generational and amazing and everything else but i like brisker's a good player uh lewis seen sign seen i don't know how he says his last name from georgia another good player there's some guys here that are good college safeties and you know that's the thing i would say is People don't understand. Uh, people don't understand how hard it is to find a really good college safety. You know what I mean? Like we, we've seen that. I think in, in recent years here in Detroit, like these guys come up, it's difficult. It is difficult. The run fits that you have to do in the NFL compared to what they ask you to do in college. Not it's night and day. It's so different. So it's important, I think, to prioritize prioritize that position if you're Detroit. But in this draft, I think as we've learned here you can wait a little bit longer than maybe in recent years, I think. So I was happy with that one, but this this next one was the one I think we were like, oh God, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. I mean, I went I went silent for like yeah, five minutes right. while we were picking because it's like, I don't even know. But Brisker's good. Here. I do like Brisker. <laughs> Point being on the safeties, I think there's a good chunk there that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confident the Lions will be able to, if this is what he wants to do, I'm confident they'll be able to get a good safety in this draft if, in fact, he wants to take one. Right. Jalen Petrie was another one who was yeah. there from Baylor mm-hmm. who we both liked in Mobile. Uh, and I think Aaron Glenn would love to move around Absolutely. the defense. But then we got to 34 
and it was pretty much that same group of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But it was this, sort of the same conversation because we were looking at that wide receiver board, and it was like, I like Drake London. I like David Bell. Right, not here. I like Dotson. But then you're looking down and saying, well, can we get some guys in the third? Yeah, right. <laughs> All of them, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and there's certainly, that's another position where I think there's going to be, and the Lions obviously found St. Brown last year, there's going to be mm-hmm. talent into the third and fourth round there. And so then we sort of reset and said, all right, well, what else do we need? Yeah. And we circled back and we went to linebacker, went to Damone Clark from LSU. Who's a nice player? I like him, and I felt like I ended up feeling like we were saying like we don't like him, which is not and immediately, true. Immediately, yeah, but immediately we were like, oh, we, should we redo what that disaster? Pick? I don't know if we did that right. <laughs> but I, and so it's weird because it's like I like him a lot, but I was concerned for the same thing that I was with the safety. Like, uh, and there was another guy, uh, the Alabama one we were talking about too, uh, Watkins, Christian Harris, oh. or whatever his name is, Christian, yeah, Harris, Christian Harris, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, we were both talking, and I was like, well, neither of them are going to be there uh, in the third. And I don't think they were. But at the same time, I was also like, okay, but there was a bunch of other guys that were there in the third and fourth and fifth. <laughs> and so I think it what it taught me was, or reminded me anyway, that there was a lot of stacked linebackers in this draft that I think are actually pretty solid that you could probably sit and wait on. So, like, the thing that we concluded was maybe this, maybe this next pick here, the second pick, would be the one that you maybe trade. Or maybe one where you just go crazy and say, whatever. Just take a luxury, you know, if you want to take a guard here, take a guard. There. Yeah, right. There were right. some quarterbacks there, too. I think Ritter, Howell. Mm-hmm. I can't get on board with Carson Strong no. in a second, but no. Carson Strong was there. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the other thing here, too, is, and part of the reason, I, I know people sometimes, like, complain about the number of mock drafts that yeah, they right. do and everyone does, but part of the reason I like doing them is because, like something like this, where we take Clark at 34, it not only sort of forces me to rethink what the Lions might need, but it also kind of forces me to rethink what the that spe- specific position. You know, some of these exactly. guys that like on these simulators, you know, we use the again, we use the draft network one. So they had like Chad Muma is 86 on there mm-hmm. and Quay Walker is 84. And so now I'm thinking, well, if you took Chad Muma. In round two, would it feel a little high? Maybe, probably. But if he's a hundred and thirty tackle guy for you, yeah, no, maybe not. And he's at a position of need. Uh, I don't know. And like Dane's got Muma forty six overall, Quay Walker forty four. He's got some other linebackers in here, and so mm-hmm. I think that that's part of the conversation for us too. Is uh, especially after the Senior Bowl and things like that. Like, how do we evaluate these guys, having seen them in person and having you know, spent some more time studying them. Like, and I think that that specific pick of Clark at 34 sort of made me rethink both how I was looking at the linebackers and kind of the value of that spot because I, I did not feel – I liked our class overall. I didn't like that pick after we did it. Exactly. I think it was the value and what you could have gotten later on. And also, like, it's a great point because it's also you're looking at what they what this team needs, like what the Lions and the current version of what they're going to be – you know, what they need. And I think that we know they have a stack guy in Barnes that they're invested in, but I, you know, they still need another guy who can cover and who can, you know, kind of direct traffic in the middle there. And I think that there are a lot of guys like Muma is a great example, like a guy who in this draft maybe isn't 
overwhelming physically, but is a really good player who's just going to make a lot of plays for you and be very steady and sound and everything else. And you're not going to, he's not going to screw you. <laughs> like, I think there are a good number of linebackers in this draft that are steady, high floor players. And, you know, for whatever reason, I think last year when we were looking at all of this, I just, I kept coming up empty on a lot of that. It was like, it was either we were looking at guys that were really impressive athletes that were going to take time or guys that just weren't going to be there, weren't going to have it. And I think there's a lot of guys in this draft that maybe they're not the crazy, crazy athlete that you, you think of, but they're really good players that just know how to play and they can kind of hang in there. So I ended up hating our pick, but ended up being more <laughs> confident in the linebacker class as a result of it. So that's why, that's why we do these mock drafts, everyone uh, to learn as we go through them. I hope this dude's not listening to the podcast. Yeah, right, exactly. Sorry, man. <laughs> but we could have taken him anyway. He's a nice player. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I did like what we did in round three. They have two picks there. Their their own pick at uh, 66 and then their projected comp pick at 97 because of the Kenny Galladay uh, contract. That's the Num- the top comp pick, I think the Lions are going to get the first comp pick, so it'll be the 33rd pick uh, in round three. And so we got, uh, just back to the discussion about wide receiver value being there, we got Christian Watson mm-hmm. from North Dakota State at 66. And then in uh, at 97, we took Kobe Bryant, the cornerback from Cincinnati. So Love two that. guys who showed up big time at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and that made me feel a lot better about the, the linebacker pick, too, is because those were needs we were talking about at 34. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe let's start with the cornerback one because I, I think th- there's maybe some confusion about how much of a need this is for Lions because you look at the roster right. and they just spent a couple years ago, not this regime, but spent on Okuda who's you know coming off the significant injury, hasn't played up to his potential that they think he has. Right. Um, you got Malafanwu or Awarie just had – you know, like a Pro Bowl caliber season. Um, who am I forgetting? Jerry Jacobs. Forget? Jerry Jacobs, love, had, yeah. you know, coming off the big injury mm-hmm. as well. But you've obviously got some guys there who have played and who know this defense. And uh, A.J. Parker yeah. was a find for them. Um, so I don't know. I, where, do you, where does this fall on your list of needs? Like if they take a cornerback in round two or three, should we be looking at those other guys and saying, "All right, well, they don't trust." Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that's worry a long term. Well, anything. I think that that's fair, and I think that uh, there's no one on that list that you said, and and some of those guys had good, solid years. Like Arare, he did have a nice year. It was better than you know previous previously. I mean, he's gotten better. I think I would say that, but I I think as we as we went through the whole year, was there ever a point where we looked at Amani and said, like, I think he's the number one. I'm not sure if I would go there yet, you know? So I think all the guys that we talked about there are still question marks. Like Jerry Jacobs, they really liked a lot of what he gave them, but he's still, you know, we still got to see a lot more, I think, of Jerry Jacobs to really pencil him in as a guy who's going to be here forever, you know, or whatever, long-term, right? Like, and I think Melifon was a, still a rookie, Okuda, we don't know 
we still don't know what is going to happen there. So I think that corner for me is still a pretty good, pretty higher high-ish on the list. I would say um, I wouldn't want to. I probably wouldn't want to go through Friday without taking one. I think they need another dog type corner in that room pretty badly. I would say I, I I do. I think that they need an attitude ratcheted something. They need more grit, more whatever, more of what Jerry Jacobs was able to give them in spades by himself, right? And, and make it so glaring that it was like, whoa, this guy is competing his ass off. And it looked so like, because the rest of the guys, I think when the season started worked. And I think that they need more of that in the pool there. So I would, I see a guy like Kobe Bryant and I'm like, yeah, give me that guy and put him in there because like, that's what they need. They need more of that competitive edge back there. Uh, more guys who can figure it out in the tight spots and the tight moments. All the times we talked about this year were, you know, four of the five were correct and this guy screwed it up. Like, they still need help at corner badly, I think. And I think it still should be somewhere toward the top of the priority list if it were me. Yeah, I, I don't think they have that Not true even close, yeah. number one guy right now. And I, I this defense sort of can hide that a little bit. So maybe you don't necessarily need that guy. Right, <laughs> that's fair. They can that's scheme fair. around it some, but I don't think just from talking to people down there throughout the year, I don't think they view or worry as a guy that they're going to re-sign at, as a number one no. cornerback. You know, like if he's going to sign a contract for, to be a two or a three, yeah. then they want him around, but they're not going to give him, he's not getting 12 million a year from them or something like that. No. Um, and Okuda, I mean, we've already talked about the possibility of moving him to safety mm-hmm. because I don't know what he's going to look like if his speed doesn't come all the way back after the Achilles injury. Right. There's almost no chance he's going to be <laughs> good at cornerback moving forward. And yeah, Melifanu was a mid-round pick who hasn't played a ton. And so I do think it is, I think they're going to bring in a veteran in free agency at some point. Um, maybe not a high-priced one, but someone. Yeah. And then I think you're right. I think if you can go draft another guy who... And I don't know that Kobe Bryant would be a guy that they'd see as a one down the road either, but he does give you that attitude, and you know he can play the type of coverage exactly. that they want to play here. And so I think that matters. And as we saw, as they were like plucking guys off practice squads to play, it doesn't hurt to have five or six cornerbacks on your roster no, that you can trust, especially on rookie contracts. So exactly. I, I think that that is a need. Um, and wide receiver we know is a need. They've said they need an X. Yep. Christian Watson. Absolutely an X. My God, man. He was kicking the crap out of people at the senior bowl. Yeah, I that I really want to see his tests, his testing times. Um, very curious at that because like the first day we were watching him and he was kicking the shit out of everybody, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy's running at like 70% speed. I don't even think he's like I don't even <laughs> right. think he's like sprinted yet. So I yeah, I'm really curious to see everything from him. Um, all the numbers, all the testing, everything else, and I want to watch more. But yeah, he just looked really smooth for a guy that size, like just effortless, right? Like gliding out there, like really, really sharp player. Liked yeah, him a lot. This the size is really it kind of surprising, frankly. Like I didn't yeah the way he was moving, and then you see him up close, and he's not just he's very big. Like, I, I remember <laughs> Kenny Gall like Kenny Galladay. Had those long strides. He sort of, it was sort of surprising how much ground he could cover too. Yeah. Uh, that was like, and on his college tape too, like you go back and look like how fast, it was the same thing. Like, what is he running right now? Right, is this yeah. like a four or five guy? Right. Because uh, it didn't look like he was 
necessarily like picking him up and putting him down. But Watson has some of that too, but he's like a rocked up 210 yeah. pounds at 6'5". So you know he's going to be able to uh, sort of body guys on the outside and, and make some of those close or uh, tight window catches. Like I, yeah, I mean, I thought he looked really good. And it, that's a jump, obviously, from North Dakota State. to It is. Projecting as the X in the Lions offense, but I think you could develop absolutely someone like that and, into into an X. I mean, look, like I mean, and and he's out there at the seat. That's why the Cedar Bowl is valuable. I mean, he's out there with guys who are going to get drafted. He's out. There, I mean, it's not like he's out there running with, you know, an NFL Pro Bowler. But I mean, he's out there playing with guys who are going to get picked. And I, you know, I think he was able to really kind of show that you know the jump up in in competition level won't necessarily be a huge thing for him. But to your point, I do think. We do need to see some of the testing and everything else because it does look, it looks really good. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it needs to look. And I do wonder if the testing is where it needs to be. He's not going to be there in the third round. Uh, he might he might be a guy who makes a really big right. jump uh, in the next couple of weeks here. So the, just before we move off the wide receivers, because there were a couple other names there um, that we at least mentioned. You know, Calvin Austin was down yeah. in Mobile and he was fun. kept getting open. I mean... Uh, it's almost impossible to cover slot guys at the senior <laughs> yeah, bowl. That's not fair. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but he looked really good. And like Sky Moore from Western Michigan was there. He's sort of, I think he'd be more of a Z slot guy. Velas Jones was another one that, yeah, similar to uh, Amon Ra a little bit. Yeah. Like Wandale Robinson yep. uh, was on the board one. for us. Um, so I, can they take another guy, I guess, who would like flip-flop spots with Amon-Ra or would be a second slot for you or be a movable piece? Or do they need to have just like a pure outside receiver? I think they absolutely need somebody that can play X. They they can take someone that's versatile, and I think they probably will. Um, but it doesn't have to be the 6'5", you know, uh, guy that we think about when we think about traditional X receiver. I don't think it has to be that. So I do think you could do, you could take a guy like, uh, Tolbert, you know, if you wanted to from, from South Alabama, who's what, 6'1", 6'2", maybe on a good day, and he can play some Z too. I think that that, to me, feels more like what Brad Holmes would maybe want to target. A guy who absolutely is like Reynolds. He's absolutely an X, but right. in yeah. this offense, he can be a Z too, because we have another, because our Z, who is St. Brown, they think he can play all of them. You know, in in situations in certain personnel groups, St. Brown can be the X. Not every one of them, but I think they're they're going to want a guy with some of that positional versatility. So I do think you'll you'll probably see a guy that's six one, six two, strong, good frame that can do all the things an X could do, but also has the versatility to flip over and go on the other side. So I think that that's how I would look at it. Like it's hard to sort of predict where they would go with a receiver. I think because I think Holmes, based on his draft history. It's usually tweeners, you know, but in this case, it's going to have to be a guy who's at least strong enough to hold up with some of that responsibility. Uh, And then we went into the day three picks. Like I said, we did the full seven rounds. So there were four of them between round five and seven. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of, uh, I mean, NFL teams sort of feel like they're throwing darts sometimes. We're definitely, (laughs) if you you hit on anyone that they like even consider at this point, I think you're doing pretty well. I was trying to go back and look uh, at some of the guys we picked later on last year. I don't think we... We missed them all, I'm sure. We had Iffy. We had Iffy Did we get him on one? In okay, round, uh, round three or four somewhere. So, um, But uh, let's talk about these guys a little bit. Um, Cade Mays from Tennessee mm-hmm. was our round five pick. Uh, 
and that was another senior bowl guy. And it's a position where the Lions, I don't know, a guard? I think they need a guard, right? Yeah. Somewhere this offseason? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it's, it's the one of, um, you know, how much do you want to invest in that? They do need a guard. How much do you want to invest in? I think that's the question that they have to ask themselves. Like, because do you want to go crazy here? And like, you know, because we just talked about, like, if you stick at that second round pick, you could take that kid from Boston College and just go nuts and just <laughs> and just have like an awesome offensive line. And, you know, all five guys are potential, you know, going to be fighting for Pro Bowl spots. You could do that if you want to. Or you could wait and try to get a guy like in a later round like this. And I think that that makes probably more sense is to see if you can find a big kind of uh, yeah, replacement for Vitae, I guess. Would be a play side, you know, 330, big, powerful guard um, who can kind of set an anchor up there for you and play next to Sewell and be a guy who can help your run game more than anything else. I think you can find a guy like that in 4, 5, and 6, somewhere in there. And I think, you know, he's one that I think he started his career at Georgia. He was a five-star, you know, athlete. Everybody thought he was going to be a tackle, but, you know, a little, little more squat, but very powerful, doesn't get bullied a lot, um, not long enough to play outside. It's going to ding him, I guess, and probably, you know, where he lands in the draft. But I think that's the type of area where maybe they could find one. But I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if they have to take a guard either. I think they could rework Vitae here and get through it, right? Like, I don't know if they necessarily have to do that in this draft yeah. either, I would say. So it's on the table, but I don't know if it's a necessary type thing. Yeah, I mean, I still think, I still think they will. My gut tells me they're going to rework Vitae and try to keep him mm-hmm. because I think he's proven his value yeah. for Sewell and on that line as a run blocker, especially. And I, I mean, I think you could justify taking, like a- Evan Brown. I think they'll try to hold on to. Yeah. Showed he can play center, maybe some guard too, but they don't have a lot of other guys that you would trust. Like Matt Nelson was pretty good as a sixth. Yeah, like extra tight end. I don't know that you. Yeah, I don't know how much you want him playing, like starting in a pinch. I don't. They don't really have anyone else to play behind these guys. Like Tommy Kramer, I don't think is your long term answer as a backup interior guy. Stenberg. Yeah, feels like the ship's getting pretty close to sailing on him. Um, so I I think that you could justify taking pretty much any position up front, frankly. Yeah. Um, and just and just throwing bodies at it. Uh, so that I think works in round five. And then, uh, we came back in round six. We got our Brad Holmes got his running back. That's an Algier <laughs> from BYU, which, uh, I mean, for me fits the profile of a guy that they'd pair with. Yeah. Swift. Um, you know, big physical guy, uh, a, come, a younger he, Williams can run yeah, zone, right. so, run a lot of zone yeah. plays for you. Like, yeah, same Hometown, same school yep. as Jamal Williams. So uh I don't know. I running back to me is is kind of a wild card because of what the Rams have always done at that position and because of I think just how important the run game is for this right. yeah. coaching staff. Like they uh, Craig Reynolds was a great find, and I think you know he'll get a chance to win a job again in camp, but I don't know that the Lions are going to pass on a running back that they really, really like because they have Swift and Williams signed. No, especially if the guy's got any kind of versatility at all. Like, I think that's where this is going. I think they're going to end up, I could be wrong, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to see, you know, this regime draft a bunch of offensive players who are 
sort of like St. Brown in terms of like they they have positional versatility. And I think that if you, if they're like James Cook was the guy I wanted to I see. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, at the senior bowl and he didn't play. <laughs> he was hurt, I think. But like he's the great example of one who you could do a bunch of different stuff with James Cook, right? Like you could do, you could line him up outside, motion him. He could play with, with Swift. He could play by himself. Like there's a lot of stuff you could do with guys like that. And, you know, those are guys that have, you know, short flash windows of, of their, you know, the best you get out of them. They, they're not going to be like that for 10 years. So I think the reason why the Rams <laughs> probably took a bunch all the time was like, you're just constantly looking to restock that if you can. And if there's a guy that fits that sort of mold for you, you're not going to pass on it. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross that off the list at all, um, at all, at all. It, yeah. Despite the fact that they, you know, Still like Godwin, Iguibuke. I mean, these guys that they brought back last year, that they're not getting rid of Reynolds. But if you can make plays, I think they're going to be interested for sure. Yeah, I mean, James Cook was there when we were picking at like 97, I think. Mm-hmm. And as like... Eh? Yeah, right. I mean, like well. he's really good. <laughs> he's a good player, you know? Like he made uh, a lot of plays for Georgia as a receiver and a back. So, you know, really good player. And then same thing, like as we were going through with that maze pick, I didn't, I don't think I brought him up, but like uh, Tyler Goodson yeah, from, Iowa from Iowa showed up, yep. and that's a guy that if you just wanted someone to go catch passes for you, yeah, out of the and, and he can run inside zone until your wheels fall off, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, that those are, yeah, that's a great way of looking at. It. I think that this, I think that's how Campbell sees offensive football too, right? Like, I think that it's just get me good players who know how to play, and we'll figure it out, right? Like, I think that's how they see it. Well, speaking of that, our pick at 218, yeah. uh, and I don't know that Dan, you'll be able to <laughs> hold Dan Campbell back to pick 218 for this guy if he's still yeah, around, right. but we took Connor Hayward yeah. uh, from Michigan State, who I listed as a tight end fullback. I don't know what you want to call him <laughs> positionally, but yeah, uh, I- <laughs> we saw down there at the senior, I mean, Campbell talked about how much they liked him. Um, he was throwing his hat in there at the fullback spot and, and hitting people as a lead blocker. They went out and... Uh, beat a bunch of linebackers he on did. routes. I mean, that feels like exactly the type of guy you're looking for on day three of the draft. Yeah, there's still more to be done with Connor Hayward, for sure. Like, his body still needs to go through more of a transformation, I think. He still needs to get stronger. I still think he needs to get pr- probably some more weight on there, I would say, because what you're really looking for from him, on top of the, you know, he can get open underneath against a linebacker and uh, you know, that sort of stuff. I think what you're really looking for from him is what he can give you as a blocker because athletically with his feet at 200 and whatever he is, 240, like he moves so well and he's got that natural leverage. He's barely six foot. If he is five eleven, six foot, like he has that use check type, get underneath of a guy and just be so athletic and just like drop him in the sideline, block a guy out of the picture. Like those type of guys that can be so devastating when you have an athletic offensive line that can stretch people and cut you back like that. Like if you can get a guy like Hayward physically rocked up, like get him to where you want him to be, get him to the point of like looking more like Kabinda, because I think he's a better athlete. Then you have something that's like, holy shit, this is a weapon. And I think that's what I see with someone like Hayward. There's still a lot of work to be done there, but like he does a lot of stuff that other guys can't do in the package that he sort of presents. So yeah, I don't know what you put him as. Fullback, H-back, tight end, all of them. He's not like perfect for any of the three, but he is perfect for all of the three. 
right? Like it's a weird situation, yeah, but right. like I like I like guys like that, and I think the Lions. Pro- I know they do. Too. We know they do because they kept Kavinda. So like it's a question more of like <laughs> how much do they like a guy like Hayward versus wanting to keep a guy like Kavinda? But like I do think there's going to be a role for someone like that here uh, as long as Campbell's the coach. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know that Hayward would even be active on yeah, game days, either. frankly. Um, it'd be a, kind of a numbers crunch. But we also, uh, I think it was the Atlanta game where Kaminda got hurt, right? Yeah. And it was, and Campbell said, well, there goes, we got to throw out the playbook. Yeah, we um, lost Kaminda. Everything's ruined. And it was like, wait, what? So, <laughs> like, and that, that was just sort of a <laughs> yeah, right. unfortunate circumstance. But I mean, it sort of, it does speak to the right, importance yeah. of having that guy exactly. in this offense. And so it would make sense. I mean, Hayward checks a lot he of does. the, like, physicality and uh, you just work ethic and all those sorts of boxes. And he's got to learn the position, out. right? I th- I still think he's got to learn what they want. You know, you've got, yeah. like, we wrote that in the story, like, you have to have a plan for him, and I think that they would, right? And so it's 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 going to be a part of that for him. Whoever takes a guy like that is going to have to understand, like, he was a running back, like, 18 months ago <laughs> or whatever, and then they switched him to tight end, and it was, like, seamless. He had no problem. So, but I, I don't think that you should expect that to continue as he goes forward. There's still some tinkering, uh, I think, that needs to be done with him. And I we probably took him too high. I almost think you could probably wait on a guy like that and get him lower. But he's interesting for sure. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, we got stuck forever at 32 and 34. So picking it. Yeah, right. Whatever, we were, what did we take Hayward at? Two, we got uh, tired at the end, probably. Two, <laughs> 218. So, I, I, you know, yeah. I don't know who's I don't know what the board's going to look like. Yeah, at right. 217, 218. <laughs> um, and then we rounded it out uh, with our, <laughs> oh, yeah. our little like early <laughs> present to Panay Sewell. The Sewell uh, family. <laughs> Nephi Sewell, linebacker from Utah. And they're... Not the best linebacker no. in the Sewell family. No, it's coming pretty good. next draft. But uh, <laughs> Nephi, like round seven, uh, you're getting a special teamer, maybe a guy who develops into a backup for you at linebacker, and you get the brother of your yeah. <laughs> foundational <laughs> left tackle. So uh, a bonus there. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on? Uh, well, I like, I like Nephi Sewell. Um, Noah's if it if it can help you somehow draft Noah Sewell, I think in some cosmic way I would do that too. But no, I mean Nephi Sewell's a good player, and I think it's like he's. Like Jalen Reeves Maven, he's like a, he, I think that's what he's like. He's like another a younger version of that, and I think that there are guys. It's been proven again. Like that's a valuable player to have a swing linebacker, maybe you call him a guy who can play a couple different roles for you in the middle of your defense and wear like twelve special teams hats. Like those are not those are good picks. Those are good. You know, down here, like in a draft like this, when you got nine, maybe ten picks, whatever it is and you're looking for everything still, and you're looking for foundational culture guys, we know the Sewell family, right? We know how they think about football. We know that it's in line with, you know, Dan Campbell's thoughts and everything else. So, you know, I think that when you look at guys like that that are – I still think of guys like Jalen Rees-Maben as foundational pieces to what you're building, even though he's not going to be what we consider to be one of your five or six best players. And I think a guy like Nephi Sewell would – check that box. And so I think this can be a draft where they find guys like that because they have so many picks. Like they find guys that can fill some niche roles and be culture guys and be good players too and be value and add value in ways that we don't think are just wasted, you know, whatever, who cares? Yeah. I mean, I think that these late day three picks also are a spot, you know, I guess we took Hayward um, yeah. who would play some, you know, at least H back for you. But th- I think this is a spot where if you want to just like 
a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. You go get that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could find some offensive line depth here. I guess I I will circle back to where we started with the draft, sort of with the quarterbacks, because uh, like Willis Pickett, Matt Corral, Ritter, Howell. I'm assuming are all going in the top two rounds. Yeah, somewhere probably so. Maybe maybe Carson Strong too. I think Zappy probably is trending the other way at this point after the Senior Bowl. Maybe you get him on day three somewhere. Yeah. Is it worth if you get into round five, round six, and like Caleb Ellaby from Western Michigan's there, or like Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, or like uh, trying to think of yeah. Purdy? Like, is it worth taking someone, the Akil Glass kid from, yeah, uh, from Alabama A and M, right? That uh, I think you wrote about in the yeah. HBCU combine. Like, is it worth taking someone like that when you have four day three picks? I mean, I I don't. I don't think so, unless you love the guy. Like, unless you think he's just, unless you think he's going to be your next starter. I would not be drafting a backup down there because I think you need other things. I just, I think there's too many other, too many other things they need right now. Um, and, and, and one of which is a future starter. <laughs> so I think that if you're taking a quarterback, <laughs> right. if yeah. you're taking a quarterback in this draft, it's a guy that you think is going to be your starter. So it's like, that's where they're at with their quarterback selections, I think. I, you know, and when we talk about moving picks again this year, like I still think that you keep in the back of your mind, or maybe in the front of your mind, like not the worst possibility to have in the back pocket to go into next year with, like, hey, if we want to trade three first round picks and go get the best quarterback in this draft, that's what we're gonna do. Like, I think that that's still something that you know is is something that possibly could happen here, and something that we should probably look at is something that possibly fits into an equation somewhere. Like they make another move here, get another first load up, you know, load up on whatever in this draft. And then next year they have a team waiting for a quarterback, right? Like that kind of thing. And I don't think that that's out of the realm yet. I wouldn't mind seeing Caleb Ellaby just in camp. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fun to see all those guys in (laughs) camp, but like, I mean, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, do you agree? Because like, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Question. If you can get a guy that low, but like, you got to be looking at a guy that you think is your guy right now. Right. Like that's, I just, right. I just can't. I mean, maybe at that point you just say like, if, if one of those guys is top of your board, yeah, that's just entirely what you're picking off of. And you take him and you say, all right, well, we don't really even have a backup for next year. So yeah, maybe right. this guy comes in and is at least a number three and we let him sit and see what we have in a couple of years. I don't mind that sure. at that point, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I think even as you get in around six and round seven, uh, and we saw this with Holmes first draft. I mean, Jamar Jefferson didn't play as much as they probably would have liked, but everyone that they picked yeah, got they, into the yeah. mix somewhere. Right away, so, right away. Yeah, you know, I don't know that they're at a spot where they're just throwing away uh-uh. picks. No. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I think if if one of those guys is just happens to be your top rated prospect in round six, all right, sure, let's see. Yeah, maybe he's better than that's fair, David Blau. Right, but I don't think you're like hunting a quarterback. No, but if you in round but, six, but if you can get someone like Nefe Sewell or whatever who checks off all those right. random boxes that we just said, like eight other boxes. Then you're doing that. You know, if he's, right. oh, you yeah. know, it's like maybe he's not going to be as good a player long term, but like for the next four years, he's going to be exactly what we need for right here. Yeah. Then that's what you're doing because they still have so many more of those things, I think, to check off right now. Um, so that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with it. But it's still the same question, right? Because it's like if you love a quarterback, if they love one of these guys, if they love Malik Willis, 
Mm, right? That might be the one. <laughs> if they love Malik Willis, then you go find a way to draft Malik Willis. And I think that that still holds. So, you know, that's going to be the thing that we can't predict. And the thing that Campbell and Brad Holmes and the brain trust there will have to decide. Like, if you love Malik Willis, then go get him. You have, you have the capital to do it. They have the capital to do that right now. And they have the capital, I would think, to go do it next year too. So I'm not panicked yet about the Lions quarterback situation. <laughs> we can talk in May. If I'm Maybe then I'll be panicked about it. But I still think they're in an okay spot for now. Yeah. For now. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the, right. And I guess that's the other, that's, the, that was sort of my other takeaway from the, the hubbub at number 34 yeah. when we got stuck. Cause I was thinking, just take Willis. Yeah, right. Like we can take, if we send 32 and 34 out, like, yeah, you're missing right. a shot at, you're missing a shot at a starter, basically. I right. mean, if you're taking a guy at 34, you're expecting him to come in and compete to be a starter. Yep. I would right think. away, right away. Uh, and so you're losing that possibility if you package those picks to move up to 18 or 20 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But as we saw later on, if you're thinking, all right, well, let's take a linebacker or a cornerback or a wide receiver at 34, you can come back around later and get a wide receiver yep. or a cornerback or a linebacker that can come in and at least play for you. Maybe not at the same level as a guy at 34, but I don't think it's a huge drop off. No, it's so. Not. Malik Willis is your guy, or Kenny Pickett's your guy. Go get him. I don't know. It'd be a lot to talk about if the yeah. Lions draft Malik Willis. After <laughs> yes, there would him. be. <laughs> there would be a lot of futures on the line oh, if they make man. it. <laughs> because that's and and ultimately here, I think that's what folks are just waiting for, right? Like because all GMs, as we know, the clock doesn't start until you draft a quarterback. Like whenever <laughs> right, you, right. whenever you decide this is the guy that I've drafted. Well, that's your guy. And that fair or not, that's attached to you for the rest of your career. So I think that that's what most fans are sort of waiting for, right? Like, you know, who's he going to take? He's going to have to draft one at some point. So, like, you know, like, which one's it going to be? And I think well, that that's the right. fascination. Yeah. So fair well, enough. Well, if you trade multiple picks right. to get up and get yeah. Malik Willis, you're not trading multiple picks next year to go up and get no. Bryce Young. No. So this is it. This is it. If exactly. You're, <laughs> you're not doing you're it again. calling yeah. your shot now. <laughs> You better be pretty sure. Right. You don't uh, get all right. To hop let's off. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> quick final thoughts here. We talked about how that third pick in our class kind of threw things off, but like I said, I thought we came out of this pretty well. I, I mean, too. I think we addressed a lot of problems. The defense, you know, you got four guys that should play on defense. You got a wide receiver who can. I mean, I don't know if he'd started X for you, but it certainly it would be he'd in your be in location there, there. Yep. Uh, and then some depth elsewhere. So I felt pretty good about it. Um, I don't know. How'd you I feel felt, after looking at I it? I felt again? great about the defense. Like, and I think again, I think and I think you feel even better if you're the Lions because you're Aaron Glenn will be back, and it seems like it looks like Aubrey Pleasant will be back too. And I mean, the way we went through the board and the way that it there's a lot of talent defensively, I think. I think that's what I was reminded of here. And they have a real opportunity with all these picks up high if they want to to draft a core. Like to combine it with what you put, what you brought in here last year, to draft a core of young defenders who can grow and learn together, and that is so that could be so good. Like people don't even really realize if you could, they don't all have to be awesome, right? They just have to be. If you can get like last year's class, this year's class, six to seven core 
really good young football players playing on defense, playing together, learning and growing together. That's exactly what you want. With Aaron Glenn leading the chip, like that's that was my biggest takeaway. I think they can come out of this heading into 2023 with possibly a very good defense. I think you could be, if you do it right, if you add the right pieces this year, at the end of the 2022 season, we could be talking about, wow, they really made some leaps and they could really be going places with this defense. I think that that's possible here. And if you're looking at things to really be excited about, there you go. I think that the Lions could make a really big move. The opportunity defensively to make such a big swing here seems really high right now. I'd ask you the same though. Like, what's what was your final takeaway on the whole thing? Because I think that was my original regret about the line, the, the pick that we screwed up, and then all, but that, that turned into optimism about like I think they can really make some moves here. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, I do think it's a good draft for defense. I think it's a good draft to find a wide receiver. Um, again, I, I sort of go back to thirty-four because we talked about the start. At least I said the way I'd been looking at that and the way the board had been falling, I'd been taking wide receiver yeah. safety in that combo. Every time, yeah, right. And then we waited on wide receiver. And it's sort of a weird spot for receiver too because you're, like I said earlier, you're beyond the like top four, I think. Yep. Like, you're not getting Olave at 34, I don't I don't think. No. Um, Doesn't seem like Burks, it. like those guys are gone. So – do you like that second tier enough or do you wait? And then if you wait, like there's some other bodies. And we, I mentioned Perry and Winfrey at 34. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was good too. Do you just load up somewhere where you yeah. might already have something cooking? And that's what I was maybe. saying, like with the, with the guard, <laughs> like if you already have something good somewhere, maybe you just like yeah. make it awesome. Like that's the right. pick where if you don't trade it and that's, and I would, that's nothing wrong with that either. Like, I mean, I think that that's absolutely <laughs> yeah. something that can be done here if they want to, like you could, you could just load it up and just finish off, like you said, take another defensive tackle and just be like, okay, now we're, you know, now we've got something that we, that other people are scared of at least, right? Like you can, you could do that with that pick if you want to. And I think that that would be fine. I think that you're not like overindulging at the expense of something else if you do that, I think, in that situation. And I think that that's what you want to avoid doing. But in that case, you wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I'll give us a solid B. Yeah, I think not we bad. Reached not once bad. And, uh, did we panicked well once. Yeah, and did pretty well. Which isn't bad for a nine-pick draft. Only one yeah. huge panic move, and it was not the first pick, so, <laughs> so pretty good. <laughs> it's a little early, but not too bad. Yeah, I think it's a B, and we'll see how it comes out next time. So, uh, all right. So, uh, as we keep mentioning here, sort of a scrambled schedule because of the off season. We got the combine coming up mm-hmm. in uh, a couple weeks here. The 28th is when I'm heading down there, so less than two weeks now. So we'll get you uh, a show from down there. I also tweeted out, I I think that we will be at some point here checking into the live rooms feature on the Athletic app, which I don't know if anyone is. If you haven't had a chance to check those out, um, our Red Wings writer, Max Boltman, does one weekly. If you're a hockey fan, you can head on over there. Weekly, Max? My God. We had a couple from the Super Bowl. Uh, So basically, you know, those are on the app. I mean, they're essentially... okay. Like calling radio yeah, shows we need to do for an hour, so yeah. uh, and I think we're uh, on the list to be added. We so should keep do an eye out for those. We should do like a mock draft or something on there or something like that. One of these days, that'd be fun. What the fa- fan mock draft with the, fan. the fans? Yeah, in the in the, the live place? room. We should go in the live room and do a, and do a mock draft. One of these <laughs> we days. can make the fans do it. Am I biting off them for screwing? Um, am I biting off more than we can chew? Maybe. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but keep your eyes open for that. Hopefully, those are coming soon. Like I said, we'll have a. Uh, 
an episode of one of these years, uh, mm-hmm. somewhere around the combine time, probably towards the end of that week, I would think, yeah. as we kind of wrap it up. Uh, and then free agencies right after that. So um, we'll keep you alerted to the schedule. Make sure you uh, follow us, like, subscribe, everything. Rate us, review us on uh, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can head over to the Athletic app, get us ad-free. Uh, make sure you pick up a subscription there too, which I, as always, this time of year, I remind people comes with access to Dame Brugler's incredible draft guide, The Beast, which usually he releases uh, early April. Yeah, and should be about two months. Subscription to the site gets you that for free, so uh, you'll want that. Oh, yeah, that's like um, a $200 sure, so. value on its own. <laughs> yeah, right there. So head over there, make sure you get a subscription if you hadn't yet, and uh, I think that'll wrap us up. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.